Well, hi, everybody. Uh, I'm going to start right off. This is our next Genesis podcast. This one's going to be a short one uh, because we are filming it. For those of you who are, have listened to the Fall Feast, that was a very long one. We're recording this one on the same day, and that one went on. That took a long time. I'm going to make this a little shorter because of that. So, as always, this is Scott. And this is Brad. And this is not about us. All right, so let's get right into Genesis. We're only going to cover just a couple verses today. Hopefully, still going to go deep, still going to have a lot of substance in here. Um, I say hopefully. I was joking the other day that one of these days I'm going to show up and we're going to have this entire podcast and we're going to finish. I'm going to go, I have no idea anything about what I just talked about. And that's awesome. We're, we're We're all in that boat. Um, I'm hoping the Spirit leads and, and leads us all into greater truth and understanding, but you know what? I'm not the Spirit, and I have no idea what I'm doing. So, <laughs> so Spirit, you lead, and uh, Brad, please let the Spirit uh, have her way leading us on. Absolutely. Yahweh, Yeshua, Spirit. Thank you for this. Thank you for this continued podcast. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to do this. Thank you for the technology we're using to get this out there. Briefly talked about it in our previous podcast, but how awesome is it that we can share you to the whole world? And that's really what we want to do. We do not want this to be about us. Never about us. We want it to be always about you. Always about how awesome you are. And Genesis is a prime example of how awesome you are. So God, whatever truth that you want our listeners or us to experience here today, be our guiding hand, be our voice, still our show. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. Let's get into Genesis now. So we are at Genesis 2.15. We've just gone over the four rivers that are coming out of Eden. A river went out of Eden to water the garden. From there it was parted, became four heads. We've discussed what each one of these rivers means, what their names mean, and so on. And now Genesis 2.15 simply says, And Yahweh Elohim took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now, first of all, we've already gone over this point, but I just want to reiterate the fact that I always had the idea growing up that God created everything first, including the garden, before Adam came into being. And I just figured God created Adam in the garden. And I know we've talked about this, Brad, before, but is that generally the idea that you had? Yeah. Tradition kind of makes me uh, picture certain passages a certain way, and it's kind of hard to get them out of your head when that's been your whole life. Um, but yeah, every picture book or every every time this story was explained to me, I picture Adam literally coming out of the dirt of the ground in Eden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. So, and, and uh, we talked about it in Genesis 2, 7, and 8, uh, listing a timeline where Adam is first created, then the garden was planted. So we've already discussed this. I won't go into it any further. I just 
Wanted to reiterate it here because it does say he put him in the Garden of Eden. Now, some really cool stuff here. I just, I chose the words dress and keep to look into a little bit further because he put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So what is he, what authority is he being given? What, what is he being assigned here? Now, first of all, dress, Strong's Concordance number 5647, and it's the word abad, and it means to work in any sense by implication to serve or be a servant, to be in bondage, to be a bondman. And it can mean to till, and it can mean to dress. Now, they chose the word dress here to define this word, uh, which we'll get into a little bit. But we've talked about this before, Brad. You've really gone on a lot about it before. Just the joy and the passion and the love and, and, and the, the, the wonderfulness about actually being a bond servant, a slave, uh, to be in bondage to God. And, and that's part of what this word means, is he put Adam in the garden to be his servant. Yeah, and something that uh, recently came to me too is doing more study on that, I have found passages actually say willing slave, mm-hmm. you know, and I like that yeah. too. I, yes. I want to be a willing slave. But right here, we've talked about Garden of Eden being just full of pleasure, mm-hmm. nothing but pleasure here, and yet he's he's being called a slave here. Right. And it just emphasizes the fact that this is actually a wonderful thing. It, this is not Adam being put in and God whipping him and saying, ha ha, gotcha now, created you, you thought you were having fun, ah, fooled you, go do this, do that, you know, till my garden, work my garden. This is intended to give us that picture that this is slavery to God. Now I'm using that term, you know, slavery to make a point. He's just, he's working. This essentially, we need to understand the, the, the mindset of the time behind that word was the same in a lot of ways between the way you and I today here in America, as well as most of the, the rest of the world listening to this, would just consider having a job. You know, you are a slave, you're a willing slave. You say, You give me money in order so that I might feed my family and take care of my needs. And I will work for you. I will do what you command me to do as a slave would. It's a willing participation. We tend to think of slavery in this day and age as completely unwilling. Right. I I like to interchange the word servant, job, slave with purpose. You have a purpose. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that because that's exactly what he's doing. He's giving Adam purpose. He's letting him dress it. Now, another thing I want to to go over is that part of this was till, till the earth. And we had gone over in earlier verses that uh, certain plants and and grasses and, and, and herbs had not come up because there was not a man to till the earth. And, and here he is being told a word that could mean till. Now, I believe they correctly, it can mean till. I believe they correctly chose the word dress because he's not working the garden. He's decorating the garden. The word till 
In, in English, the English word till means to labor as by plowing or harrowing for the purpose of growing crops. There was no purpose of growing crops here. Man had everything handed to him. Um, dress, on the other hand, means to decorate or even to arrange merchandise in a window for display. So what he was being given is to decorate, to make it look nice, to, to present it. Uh, that's a wonderful image. It, it's essentially, I kind of pictured it the way I would give my three-year-old a quote-unquote job. I did all the work. I, I didn't you know, give him power tools and say, build this. <laughs> I might build something and then say, now you paint it. You make this, you color it. You make it look the way you want it to. I, I just personally, I have the feeling that's what's going on here with Adam. It also makes me think he gets to do the fun part. You know, yeah. I've I've had to weed out a garden before. I've had to or get rid of weeds and hack down some pretty tough ones and pull out things. That helps me pull out my stumps in my garden. <laughs> that's right. That stump killed oh. each other. Yeah. <laughs> but we uh but we we have to do that and then we get to do the fun part. Okay, now what am I going to put in here? Now what mm-hmm. am I going to do? So that's the image I'm getting is Adam's getting to do the fun stuff. He's going to, I'm going to put this here and I'm going to put that there. God built, God planted, God designed. Now it's Adam, decorate it, have fun. Another reason I believe that is because in Genesis 3.18, which hasn't happened yet, after he sins, one of his punishments is God said, now you shall eat the herb of the field. Whereas before he said, the herb is for the animals. God, uh, Adam, I'm giving you the seed and I'm giving you the fruit. The herb of the field is for animals. One of his punishments is now you have to eat the herb of the field. Now he was going to have to till the earth. But there's a word picture here in Abad that I think is kind of cool and it goes along with this idea of dressing it. And that is ayin, bet, and dalet. Now, we would mentioned before that there's an expanded definition to these words i in means i to see to experience and because of that there there's there's a greater understanding of what it means one of them is appearance it's the eye what what did what appears to you it's the appearance of something it also means to understand because you see i get it i see i understand so i these are not pulled out of nowhere these are things that go along uh, with the original, the words, it's just a greater comprehension of what they're supposed to mean. But one of the possible interpretations I had for this was the appearance of the door to the house. So it's like God has built the house and he's put everything in place. He's put all the electronics, he's built all the machinery, he's put the woodwork, he's put the, laid the tile, he's put the roof up. He's, he's built the house and Adam is making the entrance to this house look inviting. I just thought that was kind of neat. That is really neat. And another thing, um, I'll just go ahead and say it now. I was going to save this until I did dress and keep, but this is also, again, it's a physical picture of a spiritual reality. Guys, God did all the work. God built his house. God sacrificed his life on the cross. God did all the work for us. By grace, we are saved. But he gave us assignments. We're to go into the world and we're to make him look good. 
<laughs> Guys, we're supposed to dress it. We're supposed to, we're not supposed to lie. We're not supposed to fake anything. We're just supposed to present him that, uh, that looks appealing to the world. Because he is good. We don't, we don't have to. Exactly. We just have to show the world. Uh-huh. Uh, real quick, I have this image in my head that, that I know this stuff, Scott, but it just popped in there. God is doing all this stuff, and Adam gets to be a part of it. Like, I know this. Uh-huh. But how awesome is that? It's father and son. Father yes. saying, here I am creating this. Look at this. Isn't this cool? How many times? I, I didn't have a father growing up. but And, and so maybe I maybe this is blowing my mind because of, because of what I imagined having a father would be like. But dad's doing a project, and you're just, you're curious. What, what's he doing? You want to be a part of it. You want to watch. You want, you know, maybe you have your Fisher Price fake plastic tools that he gives you while he's actually using <laughs> the real ones. Yep. But I don't know. That, that that's the image I have in my head right now. Is how awesome is that? Adam gets to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. That's just really cool to me. Yeah. It it is. It is awesome. The fact that we're not just sitting on a shelf toys of his as he is it you just sit there and watch no we're actually he designed us to be with him in all of it that that is amazing and it's awesome and it's an honor and a privilege and then that makes me want to go out and give honor to him and show how good he is Mm -hmm. and we talked previously good can basically just mean functions correctly Uh so i don't want to go show the world how god functions so correctly that's really cool so then in keep, now this is Strong's Concordance 8104, and it's the word shamar, and it means to hedge about. In other words, to guard, to protect, to take heed, to preserve, to observe, and watch. So that really struck me that Adam was called upon to protect and guard the garden as well as to observe it, as well as to watch over it. So, because that started me thinking, how can I protect something of God's? You know what I mean? Isn't God supposed to protect me? How can I protect that which God has designed and created? Yeah, interesting. So, now first of all, I'm going to get into the word picture here. And it's sheen... Mem, Resh, and a possible interpretation that I, I got out of this is consume the water that is Yeshua. And one of the things I was thinking about this is especially in the sense of, of, of modern day, uh, of spiritual reality, this being a physical picture of spiritual, spiritual reality, he assigned Adam to keep the garden. And I began to see this as the picture of us guarding the word in our own hearts guarding against the invasion of sin and corruption and we don't have a problem with that line of thinking and i think that's what god's trying to say here that's what was standing out to me guard the salvation in your heart yeah the salvation is god's yeah the the yeah the 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 domain is god's and he wants to live in our heart and we're to guard that. We're to keep sin from corrupting that and destroying that. We're to constantly be on guard from uh, the temptations of sin and, and death and 
trying to remove that from our heart or or limit it in any way. So salvation is the free gift that is freely given to us, mm-hmm. and now we're supposed to take that, but now we got to guard it. Mm-hmm. we got to guard that precious gift. Yes. So we're to decorate it and present it as a wonderful thing, but we're also supposed to protect it, not let it go away, not let it become corrupted, not let it get destroyed in any way. It's interesting that that word can mean guard because uh, maybe this is a connection... And maybe it's not, but later he's going to put uh, the cherubim to guard Adam from mm-hmm. getting back into the garden. Yeah. That, I don't know. There might be a connection there. That's kind of interesting. That, yeah. And that shows where sin happened. He, Adam failed to guard. Yeah. He let it in. Uh-huh. Hmm. And so it had to be replaced. But, oh, boy. Now, something else that I found really fascinating here is we are, this, this word that means keep. Also, uh, one, for sheen can mean a peak, uh, can mean teeth, ivory, point of a rock, eat, consume, destroy, something sharp. But it can mean a peak. And I was thinking of a mountain, the mountain of God. Uh, in that sense, mem can mean, it means water and chaos, but it can also mean mighty, because think of a mighty river, just a force surging. It can mean massive, a waterfall, massive surge uh, of water. It can mean to come from, as just like water down a stream, to come from. Here comes the water. And of course, resh, we know, read person first. The first person could refer, could refer to Adam. It can refer to any first. It can refer to any person, but... We kind of had this focus because we're in Genesis. It can refer to Adam. It can also refer to Jesus as the first person, the firstborn of God. Uh, but it can also mean the head, and Jesus is the head of the body. It can mean what is highest. It can mean most important. It can mean chief. These all refer to Jesus. So this word for keep can also mean a mighty fortress is our God. <laughs> wow. And I just thought that was fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Anyway, let's move on to Genesis two sixteen and 17. And we've got a lot to talk about with these, but we will end with this verse. These two verses, sorry. And Yahweh Elohim commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. Now, This is not a vengeful, angry God laying down a rule to be broken so he can punish man when he does. This is not even a threat. This is not a threat from God. A lot of people picture this as God going, um, hey, you touch my stuff, I'll kill you. i kill you. I see what you did there. I will knock that head right off your body if you do what I'm telling you not to do. This is not a threat in that way. It's a warning more like in the line of someone saying, hey, you see that right there? That is cyanide. If you eat that, you will die. It's not a threat. It's, it's I don't want you to, so please don't do it. Because 
If you do, death is going to happen. I can't stop that. As a parent of a toddler, I have to say these kind of things frequently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't yeah. stick your finger in there. Don't touch that. Exactly. <laughs> it's not, if you stick your finger in there, I'm going to be so upset with you that I am going to spank your little butt just because you said you did what I told you not to. No, it's, that's sharp, and I don't want you hurt. So don't touch it. That can shock you. Don't stick your finger in it. I don't want you hurt. That's what's going on here. God is letting man know that as a result of eating the fruit, man will die. He's not threatening man with murder should he eat of the fruit. Now, we mentioned before, we did the, uh, the tree of the garden, uh, the, I'm sorry, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We, we went through these words before, and I mentioned that one of the word pictures for evil was first you must see. And I said, I'm going to come back to that. That has some significance. And now is when we come back to that. Man was not guilty of sin before he ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why? So let me, let me explain it this way. If a five-month-old child splashes grape juice all over your white clothes and ruins them, is the child guilty of sin? No, no. If a 25-year-old splashes grape juice all over your white clothes, is that person guilty? Yes. What's the difference? Understanding. To be held accountable for your sin, you must know what you're doing. Adam was an infant, just like a baby knocking something over and breaking it or splashing grape juice on clothing and ruining it. The baby did wrong, but the baby didn't know it was doing wrong. The baby was not intentionally doing wrong. Sin is not held against it. But with the knowledge that what you're doing is wrong, then doing it anyway with that knowledge is what makes you guilty of sin. God was telling man that the result of eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil would kill him. Why? Because God knew that once man understood good from evil, his first act of evil would be counted against him and bring him death. John 9, 40-41, And those of the Prushim, uh, which is Pharisees, so those of the Prushim who were with him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Yeshua said to them, If you were blind you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, because of this, your sin is maintained. So this word picture for evil, first, you must see. Adam had to first know what he was doing before sin was counted against him, before he could commit an evil act. And that's what happened when he ate of the fruit of the tree, of knowledge of good and evil. Boy, that's a long thing to say. Every time, every time I say it, I have to stop and go, am I saying those words in the correct order? <laughs> now, day is the same as Genesis 1-5. It's Strong's Concordance number 3117, Yom. And in fact, we just went over the, the feast, the fall feast of the Lord, Yom Kippur. Just means day, day of atonement. Yom, 
literally can be from sunrise to sunset or from sunset to sunset. Figuratively, it can be any space of time which would be defined by an associated term. So I want to see something. And we're going to talk about this again later. We'll cover it when it happens. But God says here, if you eat of the fruit of that tree, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Brad, when Adam ate of the fruit of that tree, within 24 hours, was he dead? No, not as we would understand death. He, Adam lived, I don't have it right here in front of me, I'd have to skim to find the number, but he lived to 900 something. The point is, he, lived, he didn't hit a thousand years. We see that God told Adam if he ate of that fruit, he would die on that day, and we see Adam does die before he hits a thousand years old. Second Peter 3 8, which we've covered before in these podcasts, say that tells us not to forget a day to Yahweh is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. Psalm 94 says that a thousand years are but as yesterday. Adam did die the day he ate that fruit. He would have lived forever had he not eaten the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. But instead, he died in a single day slash millennium. Spiritually, he died 24-hour period. He died that moment. He, he died the moment. I guess I'm going to differ from a lot of theologians on this. So you can take what you will. I don't believe that when he ate the fruit, he died spiritually. I believe that when he ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what separated man from God uh, was not the eating of that fruit. It was the first thing he did wrong after that. So the eating of that fruit killed him, but not directly. It meant he was going to die. So I think Adam's first act of disobedience after eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is what actually separated man from God. And do you physically see that? Because he's hiding from God. Yes. Yeah. But we haven't got there yet. You're you're looking ahead, Brad. (laughs) Yes, I did. I also looked ahead and saw that it was 930 years. Thank you. Thank you for that. No, no. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He starts hiding. Um, I'm having fun, but I did the same thing. I looked ahead. So um, this, this, this is a very simple picture for us to understand, guys. We can cause harm and not know we're doing anything wrong. That's not sin. It doesn't make it right, but it's not a sin held against us. We don't know we're doing wrong. When we know right from wrong, when we understand what is good and what is evil and we choose evil, that is sin. That's what separates us from God and from the garden, and from the tree of life. I, like I said, this one was going to be pretty short. I'm pretty much good there. Uh, if you have any final thoughts before we wrap this one up. No, short, but still very enlightening. I, I'm now processing that thought that the actual eating of the fruit was not, that wasn't it. It was That was what gave him the knowledge that he was now going to do wrong. Mm-hmm. But that very next action that he does, and actually from there, now that I'm thinking about it, well, I, I know we'll get there. But, <laughs> no, go for it. But it actually kind of just continues, because uh-huh. he then tries to cast the blame, and he and you know, mm-hmm. wow, yeah, no. It, once you start down that road, 
Yeah. Huh. That's that's very interesting. Something I'm going to be thinking about. All right. So uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up right now. Uh, it was short, but hopefully sweet. Uh, thank you all for listening one more time. And as always, I am Scott. And I'm Brad. And this is not about us.